With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Cy Brown. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of Life Remix Radio.com. Today, we are talking about a very, very, very serious subject. We are talking about bullying. And it's this is a special topic to me, not only because I'm a mom and, you know, all of the news stories that have been going on, you know, about bullying, but just about bullying in general. And after reading the stories about um, Carl Joseph Walker Hoover, who's from Massachusetts, who killed himself, a little 11-year-old, about bullying, um, and then this past week with the little young man in Georgia, I just felt, you know, something something needs to get done. I need to do a show about this to just bring awareness to the whole concept about bullying. And the saddest part about it is that it's boys. It's mostly boys. And I don't know if it's because we live in, you know, a society where guys have to be macho or whatever it is, but you know something? It's It sucks. It, it all sucks. There's no need for it. And even more so than that, when I started thinking about the whole concept of bullying, some really painful stuff came to me as well. And then I said, you know what? I was bullied. I didn't even realize it. I didn't even realize how bullying had made an impact in my life. And, you know, when I thought about it, I said, wait a minute. Maybe that's why I've lived with such low self-esteem and such a feeling of inferiority for most of my adult life. And although it may sound like, yeah, right, side, you know, you're on the radio, you know, you've got all these books and you lecture, I have felt crummy about myself for years. And I've shared it many times on the air as well as many times with other people how I wanted to check out, basically. Just I didn't want to be here anymore. I just felt that I wasn't worthy. I just felt that I didn't want to live anymore. And so frequently when I tweet or frequently when I said I put things on Facebook that deal with issues such as bullying or self-esteem, I always preface it by saying suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. But somebody who has actually wanted to call it quits more times than not I don't even know how I got through it. And going back to the root of the problem, I never actually looked back at why I felt so crummy. Um, I just never did. And reading these stories, these ongoing—it's almost to me—it's incessant. Like, when is this going to stop? I'm tired of reading about these little boys killing themselves. I mean, I didn't have suicidal thoughts until I was in my teens, in my teen years. I think the first time I felt like I really wanted to check out 
was when I was around 16 years old. I do remember at the time I, I, I was anorexic. I was very thin, 125 pounds, and I'm about 5 feet 8 inches tall. And I remember shopping at Lane Bryant in my later years of high school just because I thought I was too fat. Now, can you just imagine how bizarre that is? I'm 5'8", five, 5'9", five, and I'm shopping, and I'm size 6 probably like a five, six, 125 pounds, and I'm shopping in Lane Bryant. It just goes to show, like, where my mind was, how miserable I was. But I wondered, I had to wonder, and I had to look back, does any of this have to do with bullying or the impression I had of me based on the words that I was hearing every day, every day, every day, every day, every day? Every day. I mean, you have to imagine. I come from a small town in New Jersey, and in my town, there's a few elementary schools, you know, like little district schools based in neighborhoods. But there's one junior high school and there's one high school. So no matter what, even if for some reason you went to a different, you attended a different elementary school than someone else, you were going to connect with them once you hit seventh grade. So seventh and eighth grade, everybody was dumped into one building, just as in high school. So if you had a beef with somebody downtown and you lived, like we lived in what was considered uptown and they're downtown and there's this decades-long beef with people from uptown versus downtown. I mean, that, that message is across cities across America. But no matter what, you were going to connect with your nemesis by the time you hit the seventh grade. So no matter what your parents did to thwart any words or hatred, acts of hate towards you, you were going to connect with these people by the time you hit um, junior high school and middle school, no matter what. So I, I, I think it's a little simplistic for parents to tell little children, oh, don't worry, they're just jealous, or oh, don't worry, they're just, you know, they're not your friend. There's way more to it than that. I mean way more to it than that. But unfortunately, we don't see it that way. Unfortunately, we look at it from a perspective of, you know what, we just want our children to be happy. We just want our children to not be bullied. But what what can you really offer? What can you absolutely offer to these young people that really can convince them that, you know what, I'm worthy. I have a higher purpose in life. And I always was a tough gal. I always felt I can do it. My parents did empower me. You know, my parents really empowered me that I could do better, that I could be better. But you know something? When you go outside or when you walk to the store or when you see these people day in, day out, that stuff starts to sink into your spirit, and you really start to question who you are and how you feel. Um, before we really get into today's show, I, I do want to give a quick, a really quick um, shout-out to Kenyatta, who just joined me in the chat room. What's going on, buddy? I didn't know that was you in the chat room. Our chat room is open. I am taking calls. And actually, Kenyatta grew up in the same town that I grew up in, that, that I was reluctant to share on the air, because um, <laughs> I still have family that lives there. But I guess since you're here, uh, I actually want to bring you in. If you're free to call Kenya at some point, I welcome the opportunity to have you call into the show. Our number is 
347-633-9113. Again, 347-633-9113 if you so choose. Uh, let me get into a little bit more of today's show just to, just to offer tips and solutions to parents and kids who are being bullied how you can really start to get through this and work through this. So, Kenya, I'm so happy that you actually have um, have tuned in because you can definitely understand and sympathize where I'm coming from. Coming from us coming from the same town, you know what it's like. You know what it's like. You absolutely know what it's like. If, if No matter what, we were all meeting at number four school by the seventh grade. But let me get into um, just today's, today's talk a little bit more about the two young men who I actually blogged about them. I'm putting the information in the chat room now if you want to check out my blog. Just log on to www.sidebrown.com, S-A-I-B-R-O-W-N-E.com, and you can click on the link that says bullying in the upper right-hand corner, and it will take you to some of the posts that I've made about bullying. But my heart really goes out. The first young man that I'm going to talk about today, his name is Carl Joseph Walker Hoover. And on April 6th, this little adoring, adoring 11-year-old hung himself after enduring bullying at school, daily taunts of being gay. His mother made pleas to the school to address the problem. And as of April 6, 2008, this was at least the fourth suicide of a middle school-aged child linked to bullying this year. And that is according to the Associated Press. This is not stuff I'm making up. This is stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm getting from extremely reliable sources. But now look at it. Can you imagine just all the stuff that kids go through? Can you just imagine being 11 years old and you just want to check out and you don't want to live anymore? I mean, this is really above comprehension. It, it just blows my mind to the point where I can't figure out what would drive a kid to do that. What would drive a child to the point of, I am done, I don't want to be here anymore, and that's the wrap, folks. Well, anyway, let me read to you a little bit about the story of, of this adorable boy. And I actually have a picture of him on my blog, which can be found at sideground.com. In his little football uniform, I mean, just the cutest thing. And you know what, just really quickly, this whole bullying issue transcends race. This is not a black issue. This is not a white issue. This is just a little people issue, just a little kid's issue. So let me read some information to you um, from glsen.com. And it's a site that is just, it's the Gay, Lesbian, and Straight Education Network. And GLSEN is the leading national education organization focused on ensuring schools are safe for all students. It was established in 1995, and their mission is just to have a world where every child learns to respect and accept all people. The most heartbreaking co commonality between these two little boys, the, the two little boys, um, the one who just died in, who killed himself in Georgia, and Carl, is that they were called gay. And so I think that's why um, organizations and blogs such as GLSCN, Glesson, um, is really getting involved because what's happening is that whole gay 
moniker is really what's pushing these little boys over the edge. You can call them that. You know, it used to be, oh, your mama. You know, you talk about somebody's mama. But it's beyond that. It seems like just calling somebody gay is the ultimate diss. And I guess just to be told gay, you're called gay, 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 at a point of no return, to, to the point of no return, when, when young people are struggling with their sexual identities, there are so many people struggling with their sex, young people struggling with their, their own sexual identity, trying to figure out who they are based on parameters established by their parents, by clergy, by their religious beliefs, by all of these other things, fighting what they feel inside. And then to be called gay, which has a very negative connotation in many, in, in many uh, cultures across the world, I guess that is just really what pushed them to the edge. The little boy, Carl, I'm going to read to you just a piece from Glisten's uh, blog, their website. I'm sorry. They're calling on schools and a nation to embrace solutions to the bullying problem. An 11-year-old Massachusetts boy, Carl Joseph Walker Hoover, hanged himself Monday. This is dated April 9, 2009, so they found him hanging on Monday, April 6, 2009 after enduring bullying at school, including daily taunts of being gay, despite his mother's weekly pleas to the school to address the problem. So this is at least the fourth suicide of a middle-aged student linked to bullying this year. Carl, a junior at New Leadership Charter School in Springfield, who did not identify as gay, would have turned 12 on April 17th. The same day, hundreds of thousands of students will participate in the 13th annual National Day of Silence by taking some form of a vow of silence to bring attention to anti-lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender bullying and harassment at schools. The other three known cases of suicide among middle students took place in Chatham, Evanston, and Chicago, Illinois in the month of February. And this is a quote. Our hearts go out to Carl's mother and other members of Carl's family, as well as the community suffering from this loss, Glisten Executive Director Eliza Byard. As we mourn yet another tragedy involving bullying at school, we must heed to Ms. Ms. Walker's urgent call for real, systematic, effective responses to the epidemic problem of bullying and harassment, especially in this time of societal crisis. Adults in school must be alert to the heightened pressure children face and take action to create safe learning environments for the students in their care. In order to do that effectively, as this case so tragically illustrates, students must deal head-on with anti-gay language and behavior. I'm going to address that in a minute. I'm almost through, people. Two of the top three reasons students said their peers were most, most often bullied at school were actual or perceived sexual orientation and gender expression, according to From Teasing to Torment, School Climate in America, a 2005 report by Glisson. <clears throat> the top reason was physical appearance. Now, you all know, and this is just my little sidebar comment, a lot of times we can't do anything. We cannot do anything about our appearance. It's just how we were born. I do see I have a caller on the line. Caller, I'll be right with you. Just give me a moment. I want to acknowledge you. Just give me one moment, please. As with the case with Carl, you do not have to identify as gay to be attacked with the anti-lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender language. From their earliest years on the school playground, students learn to use anti-LGBT language as the ultimate weapon to degrade their peers. I was just saying this. In many cases, schools and teachers either ignore the behavior or don't know how to intervene. That's the sad part about this, everybody. 
In most cases, the harassment is unreported. Nearly two-thirds of LGBT students who experienced harassment or assault never reported the incident to school. The most common reason is that they didn't believe anything would be done to address the situation. Of those who did report the incident, nearly a third said the school staff did nothing in response. While LGBT youth face extreme victimization, bullying in general is also a widespread problem. More than a third of middle and high school students said that bullying, name calling, or harassment is somewhat or a very serious problem at their school. Bullying is even more severe in middle school. This is what I was just saying, the point where you're really starting to get boobies and girls are starting to develop and guys are getting freckled, you know, pimples and they don't know what they're doing. And this is a very precarious age. Two-thirds of middle school students, 65% being assaulted or harassed in previous year, and only 41% said they felt very safe at school. The other 65% reported being assaulted. Is this bizarre or what? Anyway, Carl's suicide comes about a year after eighth grade Lawrence King was shot and killed by a fellow student in a California classroom, allegedly because he was gay. I just cannot believe it. There's simple approaches that you can take and simple actions, and I'll put all that stuff on my blog, but really quickly, just adopt, schools need to adopt a comprehensive anti-bullying policy. to let young people know we will not tolerate this behavior. Also, require staff training to enable school staff to identify and address anti-LGBT name calling, bullying, and harassment. I, I, I have to comment on this. I don't school staff should be trained to identify anti-LGBT name calling. School staff should be trained against bullying in general. Being called gay is just one aspect of bullying, and I'll get into how I was bullied as a child, and it had nothing to do with being gay. Kids are mean and kids are horrible at times. Students support efforts to address anti-LGBT bullying and also institute age-appropriate inclusive curriculum. One thing, Cole, I'm getting ready to pick you up in a second, but one thing you have to learn is that they're speaking from their own agenda. Glisten is, is speaking from their own anti-LGBT agenda, so that's what they're going to push. They offer very good research, will offer very good data based on research, but they have their own agenda. Bullying is its own problem because I know my own personal bullying had absolutely nothing to do with my sexual orientation. Let me just jump the line and pick up my caller. Caller, are you with us? Hello? Yes. Hi, caller. Did you have a question? Hi, sorry. It's Kenya. Oh, okay. What's going on? I just I didn't I just saw um unmarked. What's going on, baby? Just calling in. So support. Well, basically to talk about like you were saying um the junior high and the high school thing and forsake thing. I, you know that's where when I got there I mainly learned about like I said verbally abusing people. It was like part mm -hmm. of the, um, that was part of that that was part of the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? So. It was, you know what, for me, <clears throat> I'll share with you, my time in that particular city was absolutely horrible for a few reasons. Number one, my parents both were raised in that the city that, you know, we are referring to. And so, first of all, everybody knew my parents and this and that. But and my parents separated. I, you know, I always joke and say I think my parents were together just long enough to get me here. I've never, ever... At my birthday is Wednesday. I'll be thirty something. <laughs> uh, 
I've never seen my parents in the same room, ever, not never, not ever, ever. But you know what? For me, that's cool. I was an only child, lived a really great life. But living with my dad and his parents in this small town in Passaic was horrible. I was teased because my parents taught me to speak well. I was teased because my parents weren't divorced and mostly all the other kids' parents were still together. I was teased because I had, quote, unquote, good hair. I was teased because, I mean, you name it, and I was teased. And it was absolutely horrible. And it wasn't until by the time I was in uh, fourth grade, when I was nine years old, I said, enough is enough. And I told my father and my grandparents and my stepmother, I need to go live with my mother. I can't take it anymore. And that's when I went to live with my mother, and my whole life changed. I moved from the small town in Passaic to New York City. Now, you know New York City, it's just a totally different environment. My parents put me in a phenomenal school in Greenwich Village. They lived in Greenwich Village. They both worked in arts and entertainment. And you know, just working in arts and entertainment, nobody's judged. You know, my friends had parents with blue hair. You know, it, it, it just... Working in arts and entertainment, they accepted everybody. So it wasn't until I was nine years old that I finally felt some semblance of acceptance. So can you just imagine, you know, all those years living and not feeling accepted? I, I think I it's terrible. That I came from number one. So number one was majority white. Then you get to number four. Yep. And then you, like you said, you have the, the mixture. So for me, you come into a culture shock. Then I start meeting people that look like me and, and um, things of that nature, but they was from another side of town. Right. But now, in hindsight, what you're saying, with the experience you went through, even though Passaic was culturally diverse, they never really they never really taught that. It was it was a lot of separation in, in the groups of people at that time. Right. So and and another thing, like on my street. There, there was a few guys that I would say was gay back then. We, we wow. kind of like as young men, we sensed it, you know. And I think that 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 are that way right now. But if I was to see them, I would introduce you to them as my brothers and stuff like that. I grew up with them. That's who they are. That's what they are, you know. But on my block, that was a bad word to be getting into the the um the gay moniker and all that stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. So you know now you know to say it. It, you say it freely, you know, in every every other sentence, like, oh, you're such and such. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that that's the problem. But like I said in number four, if you couldn't hold your own when somebody came back at you, then that was the problem. Then you exactly. was going to get pounded on and stuff. And then even walking through town, like, if it was a friend of mine that was a little weak, we are like, yo, leave him alone. He's with us. And exactly. That, that, but, you know, some, some people just don't have that support network, so, and then you know, they go into that situation. Like you said, the kids might be mean and stuff, but a lot of it is fun, and then it gets, it gets, to, a different, it gets to a different level. Let me put you on hold one second, Kenya. I have another caller. Um, don't go anywhere. Caller from 203, you're on the line with Cy Brown. Today we're talking about helping your child fight the good fight against bullies. Um, thank you for calling. How may I help you? Hi, it's Deja Monet. How are you today? Hey, darling. How are you? I'm fine. I just have a quick question. Yeah. Remember, well, um, when I was younger, they used to have, um, I remember back, 
like when I was a teenager, they used to have these like hotlines and safe houses and stuff for children to like call if they're in trouble or mm-hmm. if they couldn't talk to their parents. Do they still do they still exist? Because I think if somebody puts one back in place, it wouldn't be as much of the children like killing themselves or whatever. Because I remember when I was a teenager, they did have these hotlines where you can call, and sometimes you talk to other peers about the bullying and the other stuff too. Because sometimes. I know, like, back in the old days, like, when my because I'm the oldest, so mm-hmm. if they bully my sisters, I have to be the one that they come to, and I have to stand up for them. But my parents would be like, stand up, fight, you can't run away. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's not like that, but do they do they have a number in place for the children? Do they still, those things still exist? I looked so much online just prepping for today's show, and I didn't find one that I could readily give on the air, but I will do a follow-up. I couldn't find one. And actually, that's the first step to helping your child, you know, fight the good fight of a bully is to empower them and let them know they have the right to to protect themselves totally and completely, that there there should be a no-fight rule and, and, and uh, or being on the other end, let me tell you one thing very quickly. I was an only child, and I think that added to it as well. We weren't loaded, loaded, but we were pretty eyed, <laughs> you know. Okay. And I, and I think because of that, my parents did put me in classes and trainings and stuff like that. So they made me culturally aware and astute, but when it came to handling hood issues or urban mm-hmm. issues, or right. I was so not prepared. Okay. And because my father is an only child, and don't forget, I told you, I grew up when I lived in a small town with my father, my stepmother, and my grandparents. Okay. So it's not even as though my father had brothers and sisters that I could say, auntie, guess what, or uncle so-and-so, guess what, or that I even had cousins. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like dolo. I, I was really for self in the street with nobody and my father works, and so okay. the only person who came out to really fight was my grandmother. So you know what oh, that God. made. So you know, yeah, you yeah. know that just made it worse. Not only was I a big crybaby and I acted white and I thought I was cute, but now I've got my grandmother coming out to fight my fights. Yeah. So I, it just it just was absolutely horrible. But I'll tell you one thing. This one girl, I'm not going to say her name because she and I are friends right now. But mm-hmm. one day her bike was parked in front of our house and she was playing with my neighbor and I wanted to play jump rope and this is what they this is how bullying also takes place. It's not even verbally. Listen to what they would do to me. They would play jump rope, they would make me go last, and just when it was my turn to jump, everybody would quit. You see oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here I am turning the road. I mean, this sounds like I chuckle now, but it's like looking back. Like, yeah, can you just imagine, bad. you know, I'm an only child and I want to play with friends. So I'm willing to stand there and turn the rope for everybody in the neighborhood to jump. And then when it's mm-hmm. my turn to jump, everybody quits. Yeah. So it, when I when I looked, when I heard this story of this these poor 11-year-old kids killing themselves, I'm like, oh, my God, I can so relate. But can you imagine how, what that did to my psyche? Like, I'm just not good enough. Well, this one day, one of the girls who I was turning the rope for, her bike was in front of the house, a brand-new bike, and I was so frustrated because she was the one who made everybody quit. Mm-hmm. I walked over to her bike and kicked her bike to the ground, just like with my foot I cocked my leg back and, mm, <laughs> does 
you know, I was going uh-huh. for broke. Yeah, she came over, and we fought, and we fought, and I beat her tail. Okay, <laughs> don't put it that way. I because okay. at that point I took all of my frustration out on her. Right. She ran up the street. Her mother came down, told my grandmother, your granddaughter beat up my daughter, and da-da-da-da-da, because don't forget, I'm the only child, quirky, no brothers or sisters to scrap for me. And my grandmother said, your daughter has been picking on my granddaughter for years. This is where it stops. Now, the good part of that is I was never picked on after that, ever again. Nobody picked on me, but then nobody would play with me either. So it's like I still couldn't win, and that's when I just said, you know what, I, I'm going to live with my mother because I just cannot take this anymore. But at what point do adults realize that bullying has transcended past simple taunting and teasing to the point where it's, this is a problem. Like a kid yeah. might kill himself. I don't know. Right. right. But I, I, I think too. I mean, the kid, us parents too. But when they go into this, like when they go into um, schools, they need some type of outlet. That's why I was thinking. Wait a minute. I remember when I was a kid, they had these hotlines. They had these safe houses for children to call when bullies were bullying them, or if they had a problem. Yeah, I'm actually gonna look um, look again, but I look today, and and you know something, there's so many other lines that you know where kids can call for pregnancy prevention and this and that. Mm-hmm. But if they're not being piped through the school system, then kids are not even gonna know that the that these lines are there or available to help them. I mean, it, it, it's really, really a tough, a really tough and hairy situation. And the thing that is for guys at least is that the minute they're called gay, it's like they're now labeled. Mm-hmm. They're 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 labeled. Can you let me swing you back into the conversation, Deja? I'm gonna keep your line open in case you hear something that you would like to um to to add. Can you your okay. line is open? Did you want to add something I mean, else? I I don't like the, the the gay thing. I don't know. Me, I'm, I'm confused. Like in this day and age, where everything is so open, why? Like like even if it's the, the, you're picking with the guy that that is that way. Why is such a problem if, you know, it, it's brought out that way? Like, you know, you could see it or whatever like that. That's, you know, you know, in the hip-hop age, like, everybody, everybody's doing their things. Like, it's there. You know, they got schools for that now and everything like that. So it's not a, a taboo issue no more where I, I feel like it, it bothers kids, I'm, you know. So I, I, don't, I don't see the You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a great point, actually. You're saying that... Since it's so acceptable to be gay, then why is is that word filled with so much hate? I don't know. I mean, like, I understand the young guys. I'm down the court, you know, the young guys and stuff. Like you said, that you know that that's gay. So you're gonna have your macho kids, mm-hmm. and then even even if the young men that are like that come through, it's not a bother to like, oh, I'm not talking to him or whatever like that. I never had a problem with somebody when I was in Forsake and they was that way in particular. I, I was confident with myself, so that didn't, that didn't bother me. And then you, you like you talk about your your grandmother coming outside. I had older sisters. I got mad because my mother kept sending my older sister outside. When the kids. <laughs> so that's what you know. One time, like it was a nice day like today, and, and I came in the house crying. She's like, I can't go outside for you, so you either sitting here or whatever. And I heard all my friends playing, 
And then I went back outside, and like you said, that was the end of any picking on or whatever like that. So, right. Well, what I'm saying, like, when I was in junior high, high school, we did it as fun. Right. And then there is lines and stuff, but, like, because the kids are so much more aggressive about yeah. everything else. And wherever, like, the adults would stymie a lot of us calling names and stuff like that. Somebody's mother or aunt or father would step in and be like, hey, hey, watch your mouth. Right. That, that that's that's absent, you know, as far as I see. Like kids do what they want, say what they want, and stuff. So like they got their own, you know, their own society, and we just house them. And once they leave out, they do they basically do what they want and say what they want, you know. So. But I, I, think, just, I think. Oh, what were you gonna say, Deja? I'm sorry. Continue. Oh, that's okay. No, I was saying because he said we just house them. But I think it's because if you look at it, the parents are so much younger now. You have 14-year-olds that have children, so I don't think they know how to properly raise their kids. Like, the grandmothers are going to have to step in because that's why I think it's a lot of it's a lot more bullying or a lot more death among children because the children are raising children. And if you're 14, at 14, I wasn't looking to raise no kid. I was still playing jump rope, actually, mm-hmm. at 14. And now 14-year-olds. Yeah, with your, your grandmother, like, like 37, Thirty-eight. That's, like, that's what I mean, I'm saying. Like, you can call it. I ain't trying to be funny, but I'm saying no, you get it's, like it's a, not a, a funny no, issue. But it's not a funny right. issue. But you're right, exactly. Because I mean, my my mother is 65, so I gave her a grandchild when I was 21. But so that was kind of young too. But now, if you're looking at the, I mean, it has to be some type of something, some type of, I don't know, some type of program or something for these children to just stop with the bullying or give them some type of outlet so they can call and say, listen, I need help. My parent is not paying attention to me. This child is bullying me. Like, I don't think it, it, it's just so much of the kids raising each other that we're just being blinded to everything else because we're like, oh, they're grown anyway. They can handle it. No, they can't. Honestly, they can't. Right. If they're 14, they really can't handle raising a child. They're still children. They still have they have hormone issues and everything else. I just don't think they know how to channel it or to raise the children properly. I think you have a very valid point. And that but see that now when you touch an issue like that, that transcends just bullying. That that speaks to good parenting. Good and right. poor you know, the the the, the mm-hmm. level of parenting. My mother was eighteen when she had me and I was eighteen when I had my son. So when my son graduated high school and made it when he had his 19th birthday, I was rejoicing inside. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God he at least made it past 19. And he tells me now, Mommy, all my friends are having seeds and they're having, and he said, Mommy, I'm just so not into that. And I'm like, oh, thank God, you know. And it, it, when I look at it, you have to break the curse at some point. But mm-hmm. I've also come to learn just in my coaching practice that hurting people hurt people. So it okay. could, but as a child, I didn't see that these people are jealous of me. I just knew I had no friends, people were mean to me, and all, and I didn't know what to do, not realizing, Saida, these people are hurt, they're broken, and perhaps they're jealous. Kids don't want to hear that. They just want to play jump rope with everybody else. Why, why couldn't mm-hmm. you just been different and you was the target because you ain't have that, that backup? You ain't had it like... The female that's on the phone is the big sister to come down the street every now and then. Mm-hmm. You know, so that a lot of times that that be the case. You know, I had I had a younger brother, I had an older sister and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, actually my brother was the bully in the neighborhood. 
That was wow. the reaction. In the summertime, wow. in the summertime when he, this is no lie. My son, my brother walked down the street in the summertime, and all the kids his age would go in the house and get in the window. You know what I'm saying? That's how that's how bad he was, you know, with it and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I would, you know, people would pick with him. He had real thick glasses when he was young, and the older kids would pick with him and stuff like that. So it, it, it was a, a catch twenty two. Just like right. I, I put on the on the chat. I got a friend named Crick Nick. She was born deformed, but if you start picking on her, she'll make you cry. That was wow. like a thing. Like she would come back so and, and, and rip on you so hard that she'll have everybody else laughing at you. So it's just a sense of how you're going to stand in there and take it or whatever like that. But to get to the point where the young man wanted to take his his life or did take his life, there's a whole lot of other issues with that at the end of the day. Like nobody was noticing. Like he's sad anyway. Exactly. No, from from these kids, like somebody's not seeing that. And that was the thing, you know, even in when you in your neighborhood where you grew up, if something was really bad back in the day when someone your grandmother or your father knew the people next door, they could actually go talk to them. Exactly. That, that's a whole other thing that's going on too. Don't nobody know nobody to really be like, yo, your kid is causing me problems. And it's like, when you do, not my son, not my daughter. Everybody yes. back, you know. So well, you hit it right on the head, right there. We live in a very. I just did a story on my blog that we're so. Um, connected but nobody's connecting everybody is so connected through twitter facebook linkedin myspace their blackberry their trio blogs but nobody is actually connecting with other people i have friends that i am close with around the globe and sad to say i moved into my new house last july i don't even know my neighbors on either side of me i'm embarrassed but I'm telling you the truth. I don't. I couldn't even tell you their name, what they did, because everybody's got their defenses up. Everybody's got this defense mechanism in place. I don't want to know you. You stay on your side of the fence. I stay on my. I, I have and built relationships. If I ask you now, I bet you, you could tell me everybody that lived on Burgess 20 years ago. Oh, house absolutely. House and everything. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know what it is, Kenya. Where we grew up in Jersey. It was a small town, and everybody knew everybody else. My grandmother, who still lives in the same house that I was raised in, listen to this, peep this. She she bought the house like in the 50s or something. She and my grandfather just had my father and raised my father in that house. My father raised me in that house. Now, bust this. Here's where it gets, here's, here's where it gets interesting. My youngest son, who's 15, will now bring friends over, and my grandmother's asking his 15-year-old, well, who's your mother? Who's your grandmother? Who's your? And she doesn't know any of these people, and she'll tell them, well, they can't come in my house. Okay. Now, I may have screened them, and I know who they are, but mm-hmm. it, there was a point in time where you knew everybody's mother, grandmother, mm-hmm. auntie, uncle, so you didn't mind what, and, you know, so now I'm kind of not arguing because it's her house, but I'm just saying she's like, well, I don't know all these kids coming in and out of my house. You know how older people are. Yeah. But it, she doesn't understand the dynamic that, Neighbors change, people move, other people move in, and we don't know the people Kenyatta that grew up on Burgess Place anymore. We just don't know. But that, I, my mother used to send me outside. I was like three and a half, four. It didn't matter because yep. the neighborhood was going to – I knew not to go outside and disrespect nobody, and plus Miss So-and-so mm-hmm. wasn't going to let me do nothing. So when it was a nice day like today, she doing whatever, like, all right, go outside and play. 
And mm-hmm. you know, I'm roaming the neighborhood. Then I was telling my wife, I was like, you know, I just sent my son. She's like, you can't do that no more because no. nobody's neighborly. You know. No, that's true. You know, and all the all the um, like when I, it, it's, it's sad to say, but like everybody be happy. Like whenever people from my old neighborhood, most of the time we see each other either at a wedding or a funeral. It's mm-hmm. like seeing your, your it's, it's going back and seeing your family. That's the only time like you really get to see like everybody spread out now. You know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we walked to school together. We walked home yep. together. We went to the mm-hmm. party together. You know, if one mm-hmm. of us, you know, got in trouble, we all, you know, whatever. It's like you, so-and-so was there. We joke about, like, when we see each other, we call each other the way our mothers used to call us back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Then we'd be like, like, we used to be standing there and somebody's mother call us, and we like, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. Because the thing was like, <laughs> if you acknowledge that you heard my mother, then I heard you too. Yeah, that's the exactly. First thing, that's the first thing. <laughs> They're going to say, I know so-and-so, but I've seen so-and-so um, telling you or, what, or, yep. or whatever. Yep. So that <laughs> was, that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole family little village thing is there. That's so hilarious. My man, LGB, my man, LGB, was down the street. He was a little slower than us. Then they used to uh-huh. stick with him, and they used to always make him stop and, like, say a rap. And sometimes he didn't want to do it. Then we come through and be like, come on, man, you know, he with us. We didn't add on to his misery. Like you, right. you are our boy, you are family, so come on. And and that like that's what you're saying. You the only child. Maybe this guy didn't have that that type of social network. Even it was like I said, the guys. One time it was the guys getting picked on because they was we we was calling them gay or whatever like this. This one kid uh-huh. and started. I I went in the um, stand up for him, and as soon as I stood up for him, they finally jumped him. Oh. Like, because they seen somebody was actually like on their side, so they they right. They put him up under the Volkswagen. That's how bad they did him and stuff like that. Wow. Because, wow. But that was the thing, like, yo, leave them alone, man. They, they not bothering you, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, we all grown and we went through that. And like I said, somewhere along the line, that, that, the young man, somebody didn't notice, like, he was unhappy about something else. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. it's, it's a sad situation. It's a real sad situation. And when you look at it, <clears throat> I just want to get into a little bit um, really quickly about the story about the little man in um, Georgia. I talked about the other guy in Massachusetts. Let me just drop this on you. The mother said that he was kind of, the little boy's name is Jaheem, well, is Jaheem Herrera, and he was 11 also. This just happened on April 16th, which was not even a week ago. Yeah. And the other little kid was April 6th. That's why I said I had to do a show about that. Two 11-year-old kids kill themselves within 10 days of each other? Come on. And six others in um, in February? Uh-uh. But anyway, the mother said her son was constantly bullied at school. She said she complained to the school and that her 10-year-old, it was her 10-year-old daughter who actually told her, this is the pressure that he's going through at school. As in my situation, I didn't have an older sibling to, you know, to kind of come to my defense. I just, I just didn't have it. But the mother did, and so now she, on the day of the event, as news reports are saying, the little boy came home, gave the report card, she sent him to his room, called him for dinner, he didn't come down, she went in his room, looked in the closet, he was hanging there on his belt. I mean, uh, that's, and her daughter is the one who found him, and then called the mother, I'm sorry, the daughter, she said, go upstairs and get your brother. The sister went up and was like, Mom, and, it, like, how can you even function in that house anymore knowing you have to tear your child's lifeless body, cut him down from the, the bar in his closet? 
What was in this little boy's mind for him to take his life and say, you know what, I'm checking out? There was other know. things going on, though, just like the other call the other gentleman was saying. He was probably saddened, too, and just the bullying heightened whatever else was going on. It has to be some under, other issues that's underlying. I mean, because they bully kids. I mean, even when we were kids, they bully kids, and I don't remember back then children taking their lives like that. It's other issues going on. It has to be other issues going on because I remember – we had a gay little, well, we didn't call him gay back then, but Danny used to jump rope with all the little girls, double dutch, all the time. Right. And then you said, oh, he's fine. He, you always had one little boy that always jumped yep. rope with you. And that was Danny. And Danny didn't care. And Danny kept yep. on and jumped. And, but he didn't kill himself. So it had to be other underlying issues that us as parents have to stop. We have to stop. What's going on? That's part of the like, young people's social, that's part of the social life of young people like, like, I'm 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 outshine you one way or another, and if size saying like you know, I might have had a better grade of hair or whatever, or I got I, I talk a little bit different. You're different, so you're not so called like you in the hood. You're not that you know kind of like like them. So we gonna we gonna um make you stand out this way. We gonna make fun of you, <clears throat> and if you can't if you can't handle that, then it's your fault, you know. Right. And if you don't have your click. No, I had I had friends, so you don't have your clique or somebody be like, oh, you know, size my girl, don't be talking about her mm-hmm. like that or whatever. Then you you standing on an island, so you either right. you either got to stick your chest out and be like this or whatever, or you say, all right, I'm gonna pack up, I'm gonna go to New York because I, I I can't you know I can't I deal with you. it right now, you know what I mean? And that that was a different like like I said, my sister like I get upset like um today like when people be talking about uh you know my sister went around the corner and this and that that's embarrassing to me now, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know, but I, I was telling my wife at the same time, like I was a big crybaby and everything, and right. then I had to, I had to go through that process, and then even like like my sister, like I'm tired of this, whatever, you better go, whatever. So at one point, you know, you had that support system. That's what now, you know, like maybe the young man didn't. Right. That's the whole problem, like you know, like you, you, something to skip over, like even if his dad was, you know. All that stuff, somebody sitting there and talking. I had older dudes in the neighborhood talking to me a lot of times. You know, even I didn't grow up with my father, so you had I had the older men saying things to me, and I had older sisters. I want to I want to get information, and a lot of times, like you were saying, you had nobody to go to. You know, to find out certain things about like how do I deal with this, and and that, that's the problem with that. It's it's really um, a sad it's really a sad situation because I think. I read this, I got this email one time, and it said when we were younger, like for those that were born in the 70s, we drank from other people's, like, Kool-Aid cups. We yeah. licked other people's ice cream. We <laughs> rode bicycles without a helmet. We skateboarded in the middle of the street. Like, it gave this whole laundry list of things, you know. We dropped candy on the ground and said, you know, kiss it up to God or something, and nobody got any virus. Like, it was such a simpler time back then. There was just, we just didn't have, like, all of the pressures. And I think a lot of it comes from all the interactivity on the me- in the me- coming from the media and a host of other outside stimuli that are getting these young people to the point where I just don't want to be here anymore. And as a person who has overcome suicidal thoughts on more than one occasion, you get to the point where you're just so overwhelmed. You're like, you know what, there's got to be someplace better than here. Do you have either of you heard about the guy who um like talked about his suicide on Facebook a couple of months ago? Yes, yes, yes. But Can you they believe wasn't, it? 
but they, I don't think they really realized how serious. You see, that's another thing. We don't know what it's just, like I said, back, back in the 70s, there used to be signs and different things like that of suicide tendencies or issues or whatever. And I think as a society, we don't, we don't pay attention to that anymore. Like that's well, not a, pay attention. How are you going to pay attention? Like you and me talking and side talking. I ain't never seen you, but now I'm connecting with somebody all the way across the country. Everybody's exactly. talking to each other behind a monitor. Behind, you know, they're looking in their phone, they text us and, and whatever. So that's what I pick with the young boy downstairs from me. I'm like, man, I had to talk to the girl. I had to get her phone number and go home and call her. Like, you can be anywhere on the planet and still stay in touch with this person. It, it, it was a, a thing where you had to touch people, and that's what you're talking about, Sai. Like, Yep. Everything you did, you had right. to touch that person, and then you had to get to know that person and be part of their life. It's not like mm-hmm. um, I'm on the, I'm on the computer, I'm, I'm using my screen name, and you don't have no idea unless I put a picture up who I am, and then exactly. I could I could do anything I want with the picture. So exactly. that that's part of the thing with the young people is like they are absent of that certain emotion of feeling that person's feelings. Like you gotta, if I know you and I see you and I hug you and embrace you. I can feel you, but that that's not going on these days. No, you know, it's everybody. not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Let me give you a website um, that does have information. You can go to stopschoolbullying.info, stopschoolbullying.info, and it has a wealth of information um, that can help parents and teachers and others connect to really stop school bullying. I this was such an impromptu show because both of you you know, I know on a personal level and this was so cool to have you call in and just kind of co host the show with me because clearly this is a special issue that's near and dear to all of our hearts. So I, I just commend you and I'm grateful and appreciative and I always say that to anybody that listens to my show every day. Truly I am but for you two particularly to call in and actually add to the show, it has added value to the show. It has added information. And I'm just letting the two of you know that this show is going to keep replaying under the, um, under the link of bullying on the blog and on my website because I think it's so incredibly important. So thank you very, very much for calling in. I appreciate uh, both of you. you. Thank you. Thank you for having the show. Channel. They had a history channel last week on the anniversary of Columbine, and it's like them little things like you talk about now that never get out. Cause it's always like, You're right. If these two yeah. would have flipped out and did what they did, then they just would have been yep. some inner-city kid with a gun. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. It's not that they had a problem. It just been that they was with a gun, and that's what always happened around our way. So thank you for putting it out there. Thank, thank, you. Yeah, thank you for putting it out there. A quick question before I have to hang up. I wanted to know. Sometimes the school doesn't take the, like, at what age um, age do they really take the bullying seriously where the police will be called? I think you know? around 9 or 10, right? Uh, I think okay. around I'm 9 or sure. 10. I think nine it's around, from, from the reports that I, um, that I was reading, I think it's like 9 or 10. I think it's like 5th grade. Okay, because I, I know think some, grade. Cause some schools, you know, elementary, really, they, they don't look at it like that. Like, they no, don't they say, oh, don't. they're just kids. Like, oh, well, I'm not going to call the police, so I'm not going to do this. It's just kids. You know what I mean? Like, they don't look at it as serious as it should be taken until something happens. Well, you know something? I'll share with you something very quickly that happened to my oldest son. He was in this small private school, and he was in third grade. This little boy kept teasing him, 
teasing him, teasing him, teasing him. And I kept talking to my son, oh, he's just being a tease. And I said, you know what, I'm finally going to go to school and let the school administrators know that you're getting teased. And you know what my son told me? Oh, it doesn't matter because his father is a lawyer and he can talk him out of any kind of trouble. Now, mind you, this is my kid who's eight years old at the time. Wow. So I went and told the school, you know, okay, we'll talk to his father. A few days later, I got called to the school that I had to come to the school immediately. My son was being suspended. If I didn't come, they were going to call the Division of Youth and Family Services. My son picked up a cinder block. Like, you know how you have a cement building? Yes. And it was literally on the desk. He chased the little boy around the playground. They were getting ready to file charges against my son, and they put the cinder block on the desk. I could barely lift it up as an adult. And I said to the principal of the school, I said, you know something? I have been telling you that this little boy has been teasing my son. For my son at eight years old to be able to pick up this piece of of the corner of the building, his adrenaline had to be going. It had to be so on fire. I couldn't even pick it up. I was shocked. I told my husband, I don't even know how he was able to lift it. But Mm -hmm. this is what it can lead to. But yet, when my son got to the point of no return where he picked up a cinder block and was ready to bash this kid's head into the playground, now they're calling me. Now they're telling me they're going to call the Division of Youth and Family Services. Now my son is being unruly. But yet, when he's been teasing my son, y'all haven't said anything. Nothing was done. So this problem, and they were in third grade at the time, so that's what, that's, the basis on which I offered that information when I was saying like around fifth grade, this happened okay. to my son a little younger in third grade. But And okay. I, I spoke to my son, and he will still talk about it. He said, I tried to hurt him. And makes oh, no bones okay. about it. Uh-huh. He's I, like, I, I really I tried to him. hurt him. Wow. Uh-uh. wow. Yeah, he said, I, I, I really tried to hurt him. But anyway, this will not be the last conversation that we have on Life Remixed Radio about this issue. Thank you so much, Deja and Kenyat. And Kenyat, I'm going to upload this show to the Roundup also so people can listen to it. All right, thanks. Bye, Deja. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. Thank you so much for listening. It's your girl, Cy Brown, right here for liferemixradio.com. For life coaching services, please log on to www.impact-coaching.info, and you can always check out my blog, cybrown.com. Thanks so much, and have a great day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.